Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. I am your host, Amara, and I am here with my husband and co-host, Jason. What's up, y'all? Happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month, everybody. I think that um, it being Black History Month, this was really the perfect episode to kind of start the month off. What you think, Jay? Perfect. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I think so many people... I mean, I think the 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 um, information and things about Sundown Towns have come... Um, have been talked about more and more lately, I should say. Like, in the past couple of years... Um, it's been something that people have been learning more and more about. I know they had that show. I, I never watched them, to be honest. But I know they had that show on HBO, the Lovecraft Country. Right. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sorry if I'm not if I'm not getting it right. But I believe that the kind of premise was that these were it was about sundown towns. And so I think that has kind of also helped people to get a little bit more educated about the history of sundown towns in America. Right. Well, let me say first and foremost that I get a lot of this knowledge from you. Yeah. Um, even, I mean... You know, there's stuff that you know, but even the sundown town thing is something that, you know, I realized that during that time, you know, black people couldn't be in certain areas at certain yeah. time due to what was going on, especially 1968 yeah. civil rights movement. Um, but the term sundown town, this is something that's absolutely just new to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are still, like I said, it's still something that, you know, we don't learn about it in school. And nah. so it's something that... And the past couple of years with people trying to um, learn more about, you know, the history of black people in this country, this is one of the things that has come, you know, back to the forefront along with, you know, the massacres like Tulsa and things like that. Like people for the first time are just really hearing about these things. And so, like I said at the end of the episode, I really think it's important for us to keep having these conversations and bringing these type of things to light. And, um, you know, I found Carol's story and I knew that um, telling it, you know, during this time when people are kind of focused on Black history, even though we should be learning about Black history every month of the year, um, but we're particularly focused on it this month of the year. And so I wanted to make sure that I um, told a story from that from that time and, and, and something that is... Um, part of our history that's not a, a good part of our history but as a part of our history and since i do true crime you know yeah it definitely it is. is so uh set the scene 1968 yeah. um martinsville indiana um it's the same year martin luther king was assassinated and 
this young woman dies in September of that year. So uh, give us a recap of the story. Yeah, so uh, like you said, 1968 was a, a crazy year in America. Um, but this story takes place in September 1968. Uh, Carol Jenkins was 21 years old and had recently started working uh, as a door-to-door salesman selling encyclopedia sets. And um, it was her first day of work. I believe it was her first day of work, according to what I've seen. And she and three of her coworkers uh, were traveling to a different town to sell these encyclopedias. Um, On their way to that town, they get lost, and so they make the decision to go to Martinsville, Indiana. And once they get to Martinsville... uh, they decide to split up. Uh, it's around 4.30 in the afternoon. But three hours later, Carol shows up at the home of one of the neighbors, the Neals, asking for help, saying that three men have been chasing her. An hour later, um, well, I'm sorry. She says three men have been chasing her. Um, the Neals try to find help her find her co-workers. They call the police. They offer her a place to stay. Ultimately, Carol decides she's not going to stay. She's going to go try to find her co-workers. Carol leaves. And then uh, less than an hour later, Carol is found dead. Uh, it would take 30 plus years before Carol's killer would be identified. And before he could stand trial, he dies of cancer. So that's the summary of the whole entire story before we kind of dive deeper into, you know, some of the details of the story. But that's the recap right there. Yeah, this story was just an amazing story. And it wasn't just because, um, I hate to use the word amazing, but it was because of the time period, her being a black woman, a woman, her being where she was and her having to cope with the fear um, of just, you know, being in that type of neighborhood. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It it had to have been, um, I mean, that those moments had to have been terrifying for her. I mean, I cannot imagine what it must've felt like for her to have been stalked and then attacked by people she didn't know in a place that she wasn't familiar with. Um, It's really, it's hard to imagine. And especially when you realize that it was just because she was black in the wrong town at the wrong time. And no other reason. (laughs) She didn't do anything. It wasn't, it it wasn't even, um, you know, a a sexually motivated crime. Not that, you know, no justification, but there, there's no, like they just killed her because she was a black woman and they were, Riding around, I, I would assume intoxicated. I'm sure alcohol played some type of role in this, and and this is what they decided to do with their time. It's actually, it's really, it's really disgusting. But yeah, that's the that's the story, and that's the the tragedy of that time and of Carol's ultimate demise in this situation. So we learn um, that this case is not a solved case. Yeah. Um, it's still an ongoing case. So in regards to the case, we'll, we'll get into the first part, which is some of the shocking things um, that you reported about yeah. the case. Um, so let's get into that. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to try to, you know, work through some of these things. I got you guys' questions on Instagram and Facebook. And so my goal is to try to, like, address some of those questions, if not all of those questions, in um, my kind of overview of what, 
you know, I think, because I think the the funny thing is, is that opening the questions up to you guys, I see, and what, which is pretty much what I assume is that we kind of have the same questions about these cases. Like we, we want to know the same things. We want to explore the same kind of details of what happened. So uh, through these, you know, questions, I'm going to try to address all of your questions and through, you know, what I'm, my answers, I guess, not my questions, my answers. I'm going to address your questions. So starting off, um, I think the first thing that was kind of not, these things are, I guess, I don't want to say they're shocking, but I, they're interesting. Let's go with the interesting part of this. These, interesting. These are the interesting things. They're not shocking. Because as sad as this this is, it's not shocking. It's just, it's sad. Right. Um, but so we're going to start with the, you know, the interesting. So uh, the fact that Martinsville was a well-known sundown town is my first interesting point of this whole situation because, and this will fall into the the, the next part of it. it. It all kind of lines up, but let me let me proceed. So we have the first part, which is Martinsville is a well-known sundown town. So why would they go there? Now, what we know is that they were supposed to be going somewhere else. They were scheduled to, according to Carol's family, uh, she he her stepfather called the place where she worked, and they told him that they were supposed to go to some other town. Now, I'm assuming that this other town wasn't a sundown town, but I have no idea. They were supposed to go to some other town. They got lost. Of course, they didn't have no GPSs or nothing like that. Right. <laughs> no map. phones. They couldn't Google yeah, map Google this. Maps. <laughs> uh, I, you know, they probably did maybe have some type of map, but either way, they got lost on their way there and decided that instead they would just go to Martinsville. Now, that decision, obviously, is questionable, and a lot of people have that question. Right, because I would have just said, let's not go. Like, exactly. You know, I, just me. Exactly. I, you know, and I wouldn't eat. I, I just would have been like, you know, let's not I go to Martinsville. And, and I never sit in judgment of people, especially people who lived in a time that I did not live in and, and had to experience a life that I did not experience. So I don't know why Carol... Uh, did not say, hey, listen, I'm not going to Martinsville. Her her stepfather actually said the same thing. Like he wondered why she did he wondered why she didn't um decline or say, no, I'm not going to Martinsville. And his assumption was that it was her first day of work. She didn't want to make a bad impression. She didn't want to say anything. My theory was that perhaps you know, Carol was a young woman at this time. Now, she's only 21 years old. And she had spent her life living in Rushville, which her, her stepfather talks about. And Rushville, according to him, is a place where they've never really had these type of issues. I mean, you know, racial issues were existing in, in the country. So I think everybody was aware of that. But in terms of her individual experiences, she may not have been, you know, she didn't have those experiences. If she went to integrated schools, if she lived in a community that they, they that wasn't like Martinsville, then there may have been some naivete playing a part in her decision to just say, well, maybe, you know, what's the worst that could happen? That's you know, understandable. You, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then I also thought about the fact that as far as I could tell, the the apprehension and the rumors about Martinsville and amongst even the community of Rushville was like, yeah, these people are racist. You know, uh, her her stepfather talks about his friend going to Martinsville for a basketball game and they calling him racist names and things like that. But in terms of anybody being killed in Martinsville or that type of violent threat, 
that didn't seem to have happened until Carol. And so that also might have played into her naivete because maybe she's just like, well, I guess the worst that could happen is that they're going to call me a bunch of niggas. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, you, that, you, make, you, that makes sense. You know what I'm no, saying? No, that makes, um, that makes so perfect sense. that's why I think that ultimately she didn't decline to go. And that also, in the defense, I guess, of the of the people that were with her, maybe that's also why they decided, like, okay, well, we know Martinsville got its issues, but maybe... We're trying to get paid. Yeah, we're trying to get paid. You know, we got to sell these encyclopedias. Um, But, you know, I think also the problem was was that it was so late. You know, they they got there late and they were going to be there past dark. You know, all of these things played into ultimately what happened to to Carol. So, um, but yeah, those, yeah, that's, that's my first thing. And that also kind of goes into my, some of my theories about the, the co, the coworkers, right? So the coworkers. Now, a lot of you asked the question about the race of the coworkers. And I think I kind of said this when I was speaking about the last kind of point, but she went with three coworkers. Two were white men. One was a black woman who was 19 years old. I don't know the age of the white men. But one of the white men was her supervisor. So that's what happened. Now, a lot of people, once again, questioning about why would they split up? Why did why did they, even if they decided to go to Martinsville and had made the decision, okay, well, it can't be that bad. You know, maybe we'll, you know, we'll still go. Why they decided to split up still doesn't make sense to me. I feel like I could see why the, you know, why the white men would be like, well, we're just going to split up. I could see why they wouldn't in their minds think. But I always, you know, I kind of wonder, like I said, I try not to stand in judgment, but this is just like me thinking this is how I would be if I was in that situation. So I got this other black girl there and I'm like... Yo, sis, I know what they said. I know we supposed to split up, but me and you, we about to go, we about to go together. You know what I mean? Like that would have been my vibe. Right. You know what I mean? But like I said, different time, different situation. I don't know all of the details. Maybe the other black girl's like, no, I don't want to go with you. I'm gonna right. go by my like who knows? Like, I want to get these sales by myself. Like, who knows what the conversation was? But that's kind of how I felt like I would have, I would have been like in that situation. Yeah. If that, if that was me. But none of those things happen. Now we do know. Um, I found in in one article a little bit more detail, sort of about Carol's movements um, the night that that they were there. So after she gets there, they get there about four thirty. Um, she's seen around five p.m. somewhere near the area where they had all been dropped off, and then she speaks to her boss or her not her boss, her supervisor, the one of the white guys that's on the trip. She speaks to him. Now I don't know how she speaks to him. I'm assuming. They speak in person because they couldn't have spoken on the phone. They're not cell phones, you know what I mean? Like, so they wouldn't have been calling each other on a payphone or anything like that. So I'm assuming that they must have crossed paths. She saw him. And according to him, she told him everything was fine. But then 30 minutes later, she shows up at the home of the Neals. And she's asking for help. So... Yeah, so that's so that's what we have about the coworkers, and then there's no other information about the coworkers. So people are like, well, what did the coworkers say? The cowork, I, we don't have any information about the coworkers saying anything. Not the black woman, not the two white. We don't have any information about them. What happened by the time they would have met back up at the gas station, or what they were supposed to meet at the gas station, which was 10 p.m., Carol was already dead. 
because Carol died shortly after 9 p.m. And they weren't even supposed to meet back at the gas station until 10 p.m. So like I said, once again, we're talking pre-cell phone. So they wouldn't have even known probably until they got back there and she didn't show up. Now they know something is wrong. Yeah. That would have been their first, I'm, I'm assuming, indication that anything was even wrong. You makes know? makes so, sense. Yeah. yeah. So, then we got that. Okay. So, give me, um, let's let's go to something else that you might think that's interesting Okay. about this case. All right. So, we could just keep on going because it's, it's really just like a flow of the information. So, the next part is the Neils, the, the neighbors that she showed up to, the home that she showed up to because Carol... Like I said, half hour after she has spoken to her boss, this is what her, I'm sorry, her supervisor, she shows up at the door of the Neals. Now, yes, for everybody who wanted to know, the Neals are white. This was, as I um, pretty much gathered, it was an all-white town. I don't believe there were any black people living in Martinsville at this time. So, yes, the Neals were white. So, somebody, some, somebody asked on Instagram, the people who tried... To help her. Mm-hmm. Were they white? Yes. Yes, they were white. They were white. Um, the Neils were white. Now, I have seen a lot of, including on TikTok, and this is before I had even posed the question that I, I, I posted on, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. People were commenting on the video, and a lot of people were saying, well, I don't trust these neighbors. I don't trust the neighbors. I think the neighbors has something to do with it. Did the neighbors really call the cops? The neighbors are suspicious. Now... I fully see where where that thought would come from, right? Because as far as we know, Martinsville at this time is just a racist town full of 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 white people who don't want black people to come into their town. So the the idea that there is a couple there that would then take in some random black hope, woman that shows up on there, it's like it's like, like well, come on, man, that don't even sound right. But but I will say this: from what I have seen, I do believe that the likelihood that the Neils were just some nice people is very high. And here's why. Here's why I say that. Because after the Neils, after this happens, um, there's, you know, there's some articles that happen years later, right right before the time that the killer is identified. And the Neils talk about how after this incident happened with Carol, how they were harassed by people in the community for helping Carol. And so they ended up having to take on this, like, you know, you know, oh y'all, oh you helped it, you helped the nigger girl, you know, you you was willing to. So that that's the kind of energy that the people in the town ended up giving the Neils. And so for helping Carol, they ended up coming down and being subjected to this same kind of hatred. So that to me gave me the impression that they they did really help her because then why if they if this was if right. they was part of was it, that in the was that in the story. So that wasn't in the story. Okay, so that's no, not no, in the no, story. No, that's not, okay, that's, that's not, not in the story. In the, okay. Yeah, no, I didn't include that in the story. Um, because at the point where the, the information comes into play, it's like later on, and I knew that I wanted to kind of include it on afterthoughts as a, a you know, as a as a topic. Um, but yeah, that that was that's that's what it said about about the Neils. And like I said, some of this stuff is so um, it's old, but, you know, we're talking about a crime that happened over 50 years ago. And so a lot of the articles, even the ones that were more recent are 20 years old, 20, 23 years, you know, they, 2001, 2002, these articles are old. So there's not articles where this mentions every time that they mention about the Neils that was mentioned in one article about them. Uh, but like I said, that gave me the impression that they did try to help. And in terms of them calling the cops, 
The cop cooperated that they were called by the Neals and that they came to the home. Now, of course, they could all have been in on it and the cop could have just... But the cop said, I did come to the Neals' home. I talked to the to the to to Carol. She told me about the thing. And the cop said that he left to go and find the car. Now, that part, I don't know if that part is true. I don't know if the cop actually left and went to go find the car. But that's what he said. Um, and so when it comes to the Neals... I do think that they may have just been trying to help Carol. I I don't I don't know. From all the signs that I see, I don't think that they were a part of the setup. You know, when she got there, Don goes outside to see that he sees the the light colored sedan parked there. You know, he doesn't approach it. You know, but that's a lot to ask of people to like approach a car. He doesn't approach it, but he he goes out there. So that just like I said, that just makes me personally. That combined with what we know about their being harassed afterwards gives me uh, the impression that they actually were trying to help Carol. We're going to go to some of a mixture. I, 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 some questions left that you you uh, you didn't answer from from Instagram. Yes, and um, then of course my questions that I always had. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with me first. Yes, and be selfish. <laughs> Um, in the story, Carol went to the Neil. She knocked on the door. They helped her. Mm-hmm. And she was there. Mm-hmm. She chose to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like two sides. This is like, all right, they're cool. They're going to help. But also, maybe she was just comfortable, like you said, being in that neighborhood. Maybe she didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah. So... Why didn't she just, you know, um, if she was scared, obviously she was being chased. Yeah. If she was scared, why didn't she just stay there? Like, you know, if they were cool, just, you know, just hang out there until it's figured out. Yeah, that I mean, that's the question. I don't know why she would. I Like I said in the episode, I do believe that... You know, this is a time where, you know, people were more polite. Like, <laughs> they, people were more polite. She didn't want to overstay her welcome. She didn't know these people. She had just came into their house off the street. And she didn't want to, she didn't want to overstay her welcome. She didn't want to stay there. That's the only thing that I could possibly think of about her. And in one of the articles, her stepfather kind of acknowledges like, yeah, that's the kind of person that Carol was. She was, she was polite. She was shy. She wouldn't have wanted to overstay her welcome or intrude. And so her declining their offer to stay is kind of consistent with the kind of person that she was. That coupled with the possible theory that, yeah, she didn't think it was that bad. She definitely, I'm 100% sure, didn't think that somebody was going to murder her that night. Because when do you ever think that someone's going to murder you? Let's keep in mind, this is 1968 and racial tensions are still high. But it's not 1868. You know what I mean? Like, this is still 19... You know, so somebody on TikTok, and she made me feel really, really old when she said this, but she said, 1968, she was like, you mean to tell me this was like 20 years before my mom was born? And then I had to realize, I was like, oh, crap. It was less than 20 years before I was born. And so we're talking about something that less than 20 years before I was born, this was happening to Carol. My mom was alive, you know? So that gives you this perspective that this wasn't that long ago. And so Carol's movements and her actions, this is not 
like I said, this is not Jim Crow. This is not the Jim Crow South. Yes, there's Martinsville and Sundown Town and, you know, all of that type of stuff. But all of those other things, I don't think maybe necessarily factored in. And she didn't fear feel that type of fear. And she thought, I can make it back to the gas station. I can meet back all my coworkers. And then, you know, I'm back to Rushville. So. Okay. Good answer. Um, <laughs> my next question. My next question is going to come from an Instagram question. Mm-hmm. Um, question reads, uh, my question is when the two guys chase Carol, were there anybody who could have helped her get away from the guys? Mm. So this is it's a great question because I I didn't even really think about this until after I saw this question. And when you talk about witnesses, now what we know about what happened afterwards is that people in the town weren't talking. They weren't saying nothing. And so... What my assumption is, is that, yes, in a quiet town at 9 o'clock at night, somebody heard Carol running and screaming down the street and looked out their window and saw what was happening. Because we know that she didn't just run down the street and quiet. She wasn't just quietly running down the street from two people that were chasing her. We can assume that she was screaming. We can at least assume that she was screaming once they tackled her and tried to drive a screwdriver into her chest. And so you're talking about a quiet street and a quiet town at, like I said, after dark at at nine o'clock, at nine o'clock, at almost nine o'clock at night. Somebody did hear what happened. Somebody saw what happened. And there probably was multiple people that saw what happened. And that's why afterwards, my assumption, people were so quiet. People didn't want to say anything because there were people that were talking. And even if there were three people on that street that saw what happened, they told somebody else. And so there was rumors and and talk and whispers about Carol's murder for years. And nobody was willing to come forward about it because they knew not only did they know what happened, but they knew the the implications of it. And so nobody was going to say nothing. Oh, I ain't going to say nothing. And that's how it went. So... To answer the question, I do believe that there were people that saw it, but nobody helped Carol. Nobody came out. Nobody helped her. Where this attack took place wasn't near the Neal's home, as far as I could gather, and so they wouldn't have been able. They wouldn't have been able to hear Carol screaming. Uh, but yeah, other people would have been able to. There was even a restaurant open near where she went because, like I say in the story, the the the, the boy who sees it happen runs across runs nearby to a, a, a restaurant. So this is, you know, there's things going on. People are out and about. People are up short up. And so, yes. But no, nobody helped Carol. Nobody. Well, um, this is, uh, like I said, this is good. This is all good stuff. Um, one thing that I want to say is that it just goes to show you the work and um, just a podcast, just a black girl going podcast. As you say, um, when you sign off, somebody knows something and someone saw something. Um, someone saw something. And I think that's the premise is that I think we hear these stories and believe that sometimes that sometimes, you know, the stories, are, uh, you have all of these little details, but you don't have everything. And in your heart, you feel like, 
nobody knows what's going on. Sometimes you feel like, you know, nobody saw it or nobody, you know, has any information. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, this really proves years later. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody. Years the later yeah. that somebody saw something. Yeah. Somebody saw what happened. Somebody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and that's the biggest that's the biggest takeaway that I yeah. that I got from this story. Like at the you know and it seemed like day, it's somebody, a, knew, somebody knew. Yeah, and it's so perfect because it seemed it's a, it's such a it's one of those cases where everything about it it makes it seem like this is a case that could have never been solved, even at the point where it was to be solved. Like at the point where it's solved, we talk about 30 something years and this, and you're gonna figure out what happened after 30 something years. Like that seems almost impossible. But like you said, this is proof that there always is somebody that knows something. Even though in this situation, it was a seven-year-old little girl who grew up, told her sister-in-law, her sister-in-law waited 15 years before she even said anything, and still they were able to find the killer. Now, he ended up dying of cancer, and so he never got his day in court. He never was, you know, tried for this murder. And whoever his accomplice was, we don't know. As far as we know, Shirley was unable to identify this man. I don't know if this was somebody that her father had regularly hung out with or had just hung out with that night. But as far as we know, she's never identified that person. And so that person has remained free. I mean, you know, if if, if they're still alive, which they possibly could still be alive, um, they've never been held accountable for this, for what happened to Carol either. But... Yeah, it's, 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 like I said, it's like you said, like you said, and I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> it's, it's, it is one of those situations where, yeah, don't, don't give up on, on these situations because somebody does know something. Somebody saw something. People talk. It's very rare that nobody knows anything. Somebody tell, people talk. People, people got to get things off their chest. They tell somebody. They sure so, know So, um, yeah, so that's why that's why I always say that at the end of the episodes, but especially when we're talking about unsolved murders or missing people, like, somebody knows something. Just come forward and say something. You could give, you know, the parents that peace. I found out that um, Carol's stepdad died in 2018. And even though Kenneth... Richmond never went to trial. At least he died, at least having at least one of Carol's killers identified, at least knowing that at one point, you know, at some point in this situation that the person who did this to his stepdaughter was found. And even though he wasn't held accountable, the world now knows the truth and what would actually happen. So that, that can bring a lot to a family. And so people have to, you know, keep that in mind when they're holding on to these types of terrible secrets. Tell somebody. Just come forward. Get it off your chest. Help a family. Well, all right. Well, I want to thank you again, as always, for your knowledge and your uh, your afterthoughts. Um, sundown Town. That's something that um, I'm going to be, you know, continue to do my own independent research. You teach me so much, and I think that's. <laughs> I try. Yeah, you. I mean, I try. you know, you know. How you yeah. Are. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, so much, I'm glad I, to be able to bring you. this episode to you. If you weren't familiar with Sundown Towns before this episode, do some do some research, find out about it, find out about the history of it. Um, they were all over this country. They weren't just in the South. Uh, so, which is something that I also learned about later on. I kind of always thought at the beginning when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, these were all in the South. But 
they were all over. So yeah, so do some research about, you know, sundown towns and find out about a little bit about during Black History Month. Find out a little bit more about some of the darker history uh, that happened to us in this country. So, yeah. All right, everybody. So thank you once again for joining us on another episode of Black Girl Gone. Afterthoughts. Thank you, Jason, once again for coming and joining us. Hey, no problem. (laughs) Happy back. Like I said, happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. You know, and you know, Take take your own independent time, you know. Let's let's figure it out, man. Let's learn something and you know, let's grow. Yeah. Everybody, let's right. grow. So we'll be back on Monday, of course, with a brand new episode. And then we will be back on Thursday again with a brand new episode of Afterthoughts. Once again, thank you guys so much for joining me and bye. This is the way that we will get out of this dark night of oppression. Make of this nation a better nation. It means that we can stand up. Allow the opposition to know that we will not accept injustice. We will stand up against it with our lives. But we will never stoop down to the level of violence and hatred. We will come to that point and we will be able to convince him that a new world is emerging. Good morning, get to America. Rise and shine, it's about time they hearing us. Civil activists wasn't active just for us to sit back and let people keep on attacking us. They do us wrong cause we got rights that we ain't got the knowledge of, but we got ice. Gucci, Louis, and Prada, you get your dollars up, but at the end of the day, them people will never sponsor us. We spend prolific as a majority. How the hell we still labeled the minority? You want knowledge, then you gotta go and find it. The top of the mountain they coming down, you got to climb it. Doing time with brothers who had time, man, showed me that it's wisdom in them places we could find it. Good morning, ghetto America. Come alive and take control of your areas. They tell us that the children are the future when baby girls having babies and the daddy is the maybe. Pain with no gain, make the same go crazy. Tell Sam, could we still waiting on changes? When you run out of D, it just leave you with anger. Most of us hustle cause the struggle with no stranger. So every time they take away, we make a way to turn a good to an even better day. And say, good morning, get to America. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.